Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and I want to go straight to the phone lines because I want to start with a little bit of good news. It's always great to have a bit of good news on a Friday morning and I'm once again welcoming uh, Jonathan back on the programme. Jonathan, uh, good morning to you, Jonathan. Oh, good morning, Patricia. Now, nice you, to talk to you. Uh, and lovely to talk to you again. I didn't think I'd be talking to you quite so quickly as this, but Jonathan, just for people who perhaps didn't hear Jonathan yesterday, Jonathan, you spoke to us about your gorgeous son, uh, Sebastian, who uh, who's almost 13 years of age. He's moved from primary school to secondary school. He was diagnosed with autism. You had a problem finding a school locally, but you did manage to get a place in Dunmanway. He settled That's in right. really well, but the problem was just remind us of the problem around the school transport. Um, the, the problem was that he, he was he was promised transport um, because he was entitled to it because he had a special need. So they call it, you know, special needs transport. And um, i just been fighting a losing battle there for the last couple of months. So, so you were caught in the position transport. you were caught in the position that you were driving were, him. I ha- Yeah, I had to drive him myself and that was the, the hard part because it was a hundred and 24 kilometre round trip. Every oh, day? Every day, every day, Monday to Friday, yeah. And of and course, uh, as you outlined, it was stopping you um, getting a job. You're a qualified SNA, and God knows right. we need every single qualified SNA who's available yeah. to work to go back out to work. Anyway, right. yeah. we, we, we spoke about it yesterday on the programme. We then started bouncing out emails to, to anyone yeah. and everyone to see if we could find out what was going on and could we just expedite it. We knew that Sebastian was entitled uh, to it, That's but right. just tried to get it sorted. I believe you received a phone call from Boss Aaron yesterday. I did, I did, <laughs> I did. And exactly three hours after being on air with you. So I, I'm putting you down to the power of local radio. Okay. <laughs> so well, they, they, they contacted me anyway and they said... Um, we we have transport for your son, and it took a while to sink in. Like as I was saying, like is this, you know, is this for real? And I said, brilliant. When and where? And they said next Monday. As so, as quick as that. As quick as that. Yeah, that's what that's what I can't understand. And I a funnier a funnier extension to the story this morning. Then when I when I arrived at the school this morning to to drop Sebastian off as I have been doing for the last two months, um, I was approached by one of the minibus drivers. And he said, uh, are you Jonathan? And I said, I am, yeah. And he said, I'm going to be bringing your son from next Monday to the school. So it's a, it's a, it's a minibus driver that's in the school already. Great. I had, you know. And that's so nice that you've got to meet him. And it, it's fun, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I've met the escort as well because I've been meeting them all along, all along but I didn't realise it was going to be them or I didn't know what route 
they were collecting the children that they already have, you know. So, so, so then Sebastian won't be the only one on the bus? No, no, it's, it's working out even better because he there, there's three lads in his class that, that's in the ASD units that, that are on that bus, so he'll know all three of them. Brilliant. Yeah, so it's even better. So the thing is, they're coming from the Clannacilty direction, so the bus driver now has been sanctioned by Bus Aaron to, to go to Bandon first, pick up Sebastian, and then go Clannacilty direction as he has been doing all along, and then back out to Dunmanway. So he, um, will he have a bit of a road trip then every morning and every afternoon? Uh, he'll uh, the, the bus man or Sebastian or both. Yeah, will, will it be a longer journey? Oh uh, no, not really. Because um, well, I, it, it'll just be it, it'll be a longer journey for for the bus man. Yeah, because he'll have to come to Bandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from the Dunmanway direction. Yeah. But it would be great for Sebastian and the socialisation of having the other lads on the bus with him as well. It all, you know. Sure, and and sure, the lads, the lads will be delighted too because they're kind, they're close. Great. The lads, you know, couldn't you know, it so. could not have worked out better. The stars have aligned for Sebastian. Exactly, I can't believe it. I'm I'm in cloud nine today. Great. Well, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And now all yeah. we need is a job for 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 Dad Jonathan. So oh you yeah, can, yeah, you can I'm start. Available. Okay, I'm okay, and start applying like Billio. Uh, listen, oh, I will. and and I will. keep us keep us in, keep us informed as to how the job hunting goes. It would be fantastic. I certainly will. I certainly will. And and then thanks thanks very much for for highlighting us. And well, our it, pleasure. It, it meant a lot to me. Well, our pleasure and it's good to start a Friday with a good news story. Go away and have a great weekend for yourselves and, and thanks a million for, for taking our call again this morning. Thanks Patricia. Good morning thanks, Jeff. Bye bye, bye bye. That's uh, Jonathan in Bandon as I say. Let's uh, kick us off on a Friday with uh, good news and it could also be some good news for people because it's a free fuel Friday uh, today. 100 euro free fuel Friday which by the way I'm going to be looking for you to text or WhatsApp in later on in this hour. We're going to be going early with our free fuel voucher. Take a listen to this. Don't text yet but just take a listen to who you think this might be. Um, I mean, I think the person I had the best rapport with was Sam Rockwell. We did everything together. Oh, I love that actress. Absolutely love that actress. Anyway, that's our star in the car. You have to identify who that person is. Hold off, though. As I say, I will later on in this hour be opening up the texts and the WhatsApps and giving you the opportunity to enter and win a €100 Euro fuel voucher, a C103's free fuel Friday. You can fill up the tank or you can heat the home with your €100 Euro voucher. That's with East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and right across Munster for locations you can see your local oil company at dot ie always local only on c103 um i mean i think the person i had the best rapport with was sam rockwell we did everything together okay that is our star in the car now there is a story that started to break last night i can see more of it being spoken about this morning and when i heard it and this is to do with ukrainian refugees and we simply have run out of space in this country for ukrainian refugees and i know certainly over the last number of months we regularly get calls and texts in from our listeners wondering why a cap wasn't put in on the number of ukrainian refugees 
refugees and you know a lot of people were saying nothing against Ukrainian refugees and people very much having sympathy for the fact that they're fleeing they're fleeing for their lives literally uh, because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine but people were making the point at the end of the day we're a small uh, country we don't have huge amount of accommodation to spare if anything we're the opposite we can't house our own we have a massive massive housing crisis so I don't suppose it came as much of a surprise yesterday when the news broke that the City West Reception Centre now that's the huge hotel that is in Dublin that is now full to capacity Uh, if anything it seems to be bursting at the seams and it now means that people who are from Ukraine fleeing the war who arrive into Dublin airport they're now being told they may have to stay in Dublin airport and it's the Integration Minister Roderick O'Gorman he's warned that there could be a shortfall of around 15,000 beds for refugees by December of this year because the number of people arriving here from Ukraine and indeed other countries continues to grow. Minister O'Gorman confirmed that a significant increase in the number of people seeking accommodation in recent weeks has now resulted in City West reaching its capacity. So he issued a statement yesterday and he said in the interest of the welfare of those that are currently being housed in City West, they were awaiting accommodation that was only ever meant to be a transit hub. But of course they can't transit them on because they can't find accommodation so the people are staying longer in the transit hub so the decision had to be taken to pause arrivals to City West until the numbers can be reduced. Now he said Ukrainians and others seeking international protection may have to wait in Dublin airport if they arrive overnight. Now he went on to say supports will be available and the NGOs the non-governmental organisations will be there uh, to help out those arriving but I mean to hear him say there could be 15,000 people without a bed. You can't have 15,000 people staying in uh, Dublin airport. Now the Department of Integration yesterday said they briefed the Ukrainian embassy on the uh, situation. So that is welcomed news. And I heard Roger O'Gorman this morning making the same point that they have spoken with the uh, Ukrainian embassy so that they can get the word out to the people in the Ukraine who might be thinking of coming to Ireland, that Ireland literally has reached its uh, capacity and that, you know, you could come to Ireland and there literally won't be a bed for you because seemingly Roger O'Gorman this morning he was speaking on, on national radio and you know he was asked you know what does it mean if there's if there isn't any beds for these people that are arriving could they end up having to sleep on on the streets and he said that he can't rule that out because literally there's nowhere for them uh, to stay at the moment the Department of Integration is accommodating over 58,000 people now they're not all Ukrainian refugees 46,000 are Ukrainians but there is 16,000 people who have come in looking for international protection and they are obviously the asylum seekers so there's a huge increase in the number of asylum seekers that arrived uh, to our shores on, on top of the Ukrainians that are fleeing the war and when you compare those numbers to this time last year obviously before a war had broken out but even when you compare the asylum seeker numbers they've over doubled this time last year there were 7,252 people who were in this country looking for uh, asylum that number has jumped to 16,000 and then you add the 42,000 Ukrainian refugees uh, uh, as well it is now expected that the state will simply not be able to accommodate what is expected if the numbers continue the way they're going there'll be an extra 15,000 
1,000 people will have arrived by uh, December and they literally are putting their hands up and saying we just can't do it, we just don't have the accommodation. With the facility at City West now closed to any new arrivals, the department said families and those with vulnerabilities now they will be prioritised should capacity become uh, available. The government was forced to open temporary, remember this accommodation in Gormstown camp over the summer months to, and that was because there was an increase in people arriving during the summer months but then they had to close that because they were tents that they were using in Gormanstown camp and obviously they realised it's okay during the summer months but they certainly weren't going to be suitable in the winter months refugees of course also during the summer were housed in student accommodation they had to vacate the student accommodation in the middle of August because obviously the college students are back for their academic uh, year. Now the Department of Integration say the state has already spent over 25 million that's on running what they were doing in Gormanstown at Mill Street here uh, here with us in Cork and also what's go- what the accommodation in City West it said it's now working urgently across uh, all government departments and with agencies they're working with NGOs they're working with local authorities to try to bring new accommodation on board and also outside of the 25 million that they spent on Gormanstown Mill Street and the transit hub in uh, City West they have also contracted approximately 25% of hotel beds to house those arriving into this country. Hostels, guest houses, pledged accommodation, sports stadiums, scout facilities, tented accommodation and modular units have all been used since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So they have, you know, they have tried and they have, they're getting whatever accommodation they can, but we literally now are at capacity and there literally is no more room at the inn. So as I say, the department has contacted the embassy in the Ukraine in the hope that the embassy in the Ukraine will get on to the uh, to those at home to say, look, if you were, if Ireland is someplace you're thinking of going to, you need to think again. Uh, I mean, the minister was making the point uh, today that the reason that they want to let Ukrainians uh, know that what's going on here in Ireland for them to look at other options, for example, if they're in another EU member state to either stay there or to look to another EU member uh, state where because we literally can't guarantee state accommodation into uh, next week. Thank you. Some lovely uh, texts and WhatsApps coming in saying people delighted for Jonathan and his son Sebastian that his transport has been uh, sorted out and the minibus will be picking him up from uh, Monday, which is terrific news to take him to and from school from Bandon to uh, Dunmanway. It, it really is great. So thank you for people, people taking a time out to wish Jonathan and his son Sebastian the very best, including Martin Infamoy. Our Martin Infamoy is the gentleman who's trying to kick the cigarette habit and he is, says he says in his text, by the way, I'm still down to between four and five cigarettes a day. As I was listening on the news, we might try and get to it uh, later on. There is talks of trying to now ban cigarette smoking in parks and at beaches. And certainly the one features is an important one because they're ending up, cigarette butts are ending up getting washed into the seas. And I would imagine for families who like to take their children to parks and for non-smokers are people like Martin who's trying to give up cigarette smoking to have a complete ban at parks and people are out for walks. I think probably a lot of people would be in agreement with it. Uh, OK, going to take a break and uh, we are back discussing, oh, exceptional needs uh, payments because so many people are struggling at the moment, including, listen to this, 
text that came in from this is the week that the double social welfare payments this is the Halloween social welfare payments that has been paid out to help with the cost of living crisis listen says Trish I got my double money uh, yesterday guess what I still owe money on my bills it was all gone by 10 a.m. yesterday morning I have four euro and 60 cent left how am I expected to live on that I don't want to borrow but it's looking more and more likely that that's what I'll have to do I couldn't even afford to use my car yesterday so I ended up getting drowned wet walking around simply paying off all of my bills um, I, I'm also like one of your other listeners to the programme strongly thinking that I will have to sell my car and that's from a North Cork listener who got the double money straight away went on bills and didn't even clear all of the bills that's the sad reality of what many people are living through at the moment Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home, business, farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Calls in from people in the Donnerail area who are without water supply. Uh, we are checking it out with Irish Water to see if it's a burst water main or what is going on. So as soon as the, we hear anything from Irish Water, uh, we'll bring that uh, to you. But just to let people know, uh, we are aware that there's an issue with water in Donnerail. Now, the cost of living crisis is unfortunately pushing more and more people to seek one-off payments from the government when they cannot pay bills or simply do not have enough money to put food on the table. So to discuss how the exceptional and urgent needs payment works. I'm joined by Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Sean, I was trying to get some figures on this and I was comparing year on uh, year and the comparison tells me there's been a 37% increase in people applying for this uh, payment. Do you expect that number to increase over this winter? I do expect that number to increase and I do think that that number could be a lot higher if more people knew about the service. Uh, I certainly think that the, the the government and the department needs to do more uh, to market the service, but it also needs to do more then to make sure that the service is well resourced and that there are enough community welfare officers and enough staff within the system uh, to be able to deliver the service. But essentially, the supplementary welfare allowance scheme goes back uh, to the 1970s, it goes back to Frank Klusky. It was a scheme that was put in place uh, to ensure that those who most need uh, urgent payments in respect of clothing, uh, fuel, uh, food, uh, rent and so on, that those payments would be made available to those people who are most in need. Yeah, at one stage, if my memory serves me right, people were affectionately calling it the Holy Communion money. People were going to cover the expenses for Holy Communions. Well, well there would have been that, but uh, th- that would have been very much in the minority because you always had discretion on the part of, and it exists to this day, discretion on the part of the community welfare officer to decide on an individual person's application. But what we're seeing now is that the service is moving further and further away from the people. Uh, I think this was introduced in uh, during COVID times when there seemed to have been a centralisation of the service and they created this 0818 number where Yeah, because offices to, were closing because of COVID and people yeah, were told to do it, it, all of their work online or over the phone. Indeed. And now what you have is a situation where that system still pertains for the most part and people now have to phone this number and I perceive, well I don't perceive it, I know it to be true that 
uh, it's very hard now to try and get access to a face-to-face meeting with your community welfare officer. And the community welfare officer was always, to my mind, like the canary in the coal mine. She or he would be the person that would be at the forefront of dealing with those people who were most in need and needed those payments. And any community welfare officer that I've ever dealt with has always had a near to the ground and knew the people that they were serving and knew their families and their family histories. And they knew exactly what their needs were and they were able to use that discretion to help people, to help people. So now what's happening is... And sorry, in in many cases, made the decision there and then when somebody was sitting opposite them in the office. That was the beauty of it, Patricia, because they they knew the person, they knew their background, they knew the family history, they were able to make the decision. If somebody didn't have a document, for instance, and they needed a document to process the claim, they'd say to the person, look, come back here tomorrow with that document and then we'll put you into payment uh, or the next day or whatever it was. And the length of time it took to process the payments was very short. Now what's happening is that uh, we've gotten figures back to show that uh, at least 63% of the applications are taking longer than four weeks. Uh, and it seems to me that within the system that they've now created these hubs, which are regional hubs, and the decision-making process is moving further and further away from uh, the community welfare officer on the ground, that the service itself is not available as it once was. Uh, and what I'm what I've been calling on the Minister to do is to ensure that there are enough community welfare officers there, that they're available to people within the communities that they live or as near as possible to where they live, and that people should be able to access them uh, on a face-to-face basis. Because well, like, well, I, know, I know we had a call in a few weeks ago from somebody in Mitchellstown who needed to go see the community welfare officer, and they told us they had to go to Clonmel. Which is absolutely ridiculous and, and, and that actually proves the point that I'm making in terms of the service moving further and further away from the people who need it the most. What we're being told is that the service should be delivered at intro offices and that your intro office is your public employment service office so there wouldn't be one in Mitchison necessarily, necessarily but for instance that person in Mitchison go to for my, but there was always somebody who would have come out historically to Mitchellstown, for instance, uh, and uh, you know they would have dealt with pers- the person within their own community, and and we want that service restored to people because not everybody can travel the distances to be able to get access, and you're going into an intro office in a place like Mallow, Mitchellstown, or Formoy, or Middleton, or Cove, and, and if you could have the service delivered to the people where they most need the service, uh, then you know, it's about restoring that service to people. Yeah, but what, yeah, what I find ludicrous about this, it's, it's known as the exceptional and urgent needs payment. If something is urgent, I mean, I'm thinking you, you can apply for, if you've no food, for example, asking somebody to wait four weeks if somebody's going in saying, like, I, I read out a text, uh, Sean, earlier this morning from a listener who got their double payment yesterday. I'm very thankful for it. Uh, somebody in North Cork and decided to use that money to pay off all, all of their bills. Can't afford to run the car. Got absolutely soaked wet yesterday, but went around and paid off as many of their bills as, as they could and are now left in a situation with €4.60 Euro and 60 cent left until they get their payment next week. There's somebody who obviously is not going to have, have enough money for food. That's somebody that I think should be entitled to this exceptional needs payment. But you can't ask that person to wait four weeks. Absolutely. And and this is what we've been calling on the Minister to to change, is the system whereby that person could, if that person 
could go into a local office in that person's own community today, meet with a community welfare officer and go back to the system that we had, that community welfare officer. Because in my experience of community welfare officers, they're compassionate and decent people who understand the needs of the people that they serve. If that person had the discretion at the most local level, then that person could go back into payment to, to get them over the hump. So, and, and that's been taken away from people. And that's what we're trying to fight against. We, we want the system restored. The other thing is that what, like what we're seeing within the Department of Social Protection is this creeping centralisation of services where they want to consolidate services now into a regional, into these regional hubs. Now, regional hubs might work well in a Cork City or a Limerick City, but in a county the size rural of Cork, area, yeah. you know, where you have people living in rural Bantry, you know, Clannacilty, you know, this service has to be delivered to the people at the most local level. And you need more community welfare officers to be able to do that. And community office, community welfare officers themselves, in my experience, want to be out meeting the people uh, as well, because then they can put people in payment. And the whole concept of the urgent needs payment and the exceptional needs payment, and don't ask me what the difference is between the two, because as far as I'm concerned, they're all exceptional needs payments. And they're all but, urgent. And they're all urgent. Yeah. It, 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 the beauty of it is, is that it does get people over the hump. But, but it's a service now that I'm seeing that is very needed for what I call those people who are in hidden poverty. And I'm talking not necessarily about people who are reliant on the Department of Social Protection for all of their income, but for what I call the working poor. Mm. I'm meeting more and more cases, Patricia, whereby working people now who, and, and these, in some cases, professional people on very good incomes, but maybe because of maybe family circumstances, uh, you know, just cannot meet the day-to-day living costs. Well, well, I I mentioned a piece with um, Katrina Toomey who's seeing more and more people turn up at Penny Dinners for the dinners in the middle of the day with lanyards around their work, around their neck from work. They're they're literally leaving work to go in and get their dinner because they literally can't afford uh, to buy food. So, I mean, they're certainly seeing more and more of uh, the working poor. And I also saw in some areas, uh, Sean, that uh, people who go forward for these uh, urgent or exceptional needs payments, if it is for food and they know there's going to be a delay, sending them down to the local Simon community who are giving them food vouchers. But, I mean, that's not good enough. And, and that's, that's a point I raised with Heather Humphreys uh, the other day. Now, in fairness, she, uh, I got a very sympathetic ear from the minister when I spoke to her privately about this, uh, and she wanted to know what was going on in Cork. Uh, and I said, look, if you could just restore the community welfare officer service to the people in the community where they live, then people can go into payment within 24 or 48 hours and that gets people over the hump. But if you have 63% of people waiting over four weeks because the, forms, because the forms go in yeah. and then they go into, you know, there's a tick box exercise in some regional office and then it comes back down to the community welfare officer. It's just taking too long. And the money is there. That's the whole, the beauty of all of this, Patricia, is that the money is there because it's a demand-led scheme. But I've always, um, I've always thought that some governments over years have tried to get their hands on it because they don't like the fact that the community welfare officer has the local discretion to make a decision on behalf of people. Uh, Sometimes uh, 
the big wigs in some of these departments don't like that idea at all because they want to control all of the spending themselves. They want it all centralised and that's part of the problem. Okay, here. so I see. So the, the, the message this morning is that this service is there, people need to apply uh, and that there has to be some kind of better advertising done around it to let people know. Absolutely, Patricia. And a lot of your listeners will be working people, will be, well, you know, as you mentioned, the person with the lanyard who has to swipe in and swipe out every morning from an office. Like, if that person is listening today uh, who needs that service, they're entitled to get okay. access to that service okay. as well. Okay, all right. We'll leave it there, Sean. Thank you for that. And thanks, uh, thanks uh, for joining us. The exception needs payment, urgent needs payments. They cover things like heating and food, child-related expenses, clothing, funeral expenses. But they also can cover things like household expenses. If something goes wrong in your house and there need, needs a repair or maybe the washing machine blows up on you and you don't have a washing machine, you have children in the house. And they'll also help with things like rent deposits, bedding and uh, illness. So they cover a lot of things, but you have to physically apply for it. But as Sean said, the money is there for it. Uh, in a total, 81 million was spent on uh, emergency and urgent needs payments since January of uh, 2021. And that number is, that amount of money is rising and I think it's going to go even higher uh, in the winter months, but people just need to be aware that that particular payment is available. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. More than six in ten adults in Ireland worry about how they or their relatives will be cared for in their older years. That's according to research which was presented to the annual conference of Home and Community Care Ireland. Joining me from the HCCI is Jim Daly who is their chairman. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Patricia. And good, to, good to talk to you. Now, am I right in thinking that the majority of us want, or we want our loved ones, to remain at home for as long as possible? Yeah, I mean, there is no doubt people's experience of being able to continue to live independently in their own home, which, you know, varying levels of, of help and assistance from home help is proving to be extremely popular, extremely positive, and huge numbers of people are either avoiding having to go into long-term residential care or certainly, certainly delaying going into residential care since the, if you like, the explosion really that has happened in recent years uh, over the last five, six, seven years in the, the number of home help hours that are being allocated year on year. They, it has exploded back in my own time when I was minister. And the, the minister who has come after me, um, you know, there's been huge increases. So it's having a very positive effect. And that clearly is adding to the demand of everybody who wants to have that service available to them. And, you know, we are experiencing a lot of trouble to try and meet that demand. It's not budgetary. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, 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 I'm only reading in today's uh, paper again, over 6,000 older people are waiting for a carer. Now, some of them can actually be in hospital, so they're ta- not their fault, but they're taking up a, a hospital uh, a bed. Or these are people who are at home just looking for a little bit of uh, support. Why is the sector finding it so difficult to recruit staff? Yeah, I suppose every sector really is, is challenged when it comes to the recruitment of staff and this sector is no different. It has particularly acute challenges and they're having a significant impact. I remember back in the days of my former life, there used to be a healthcare manager who always said to me, the trolleys are at the wrong end of the hospital. The trolleys should be at the other end where people are waiting to get out and that's where you should be focusing the attention on is getting people out of hospital. And this is one of the challenges that you allude to there. If you, you can't get people out of hospital, and look, a hospital we all know now, unfortunately, is one of the least safe places 
for an elderly vulnerable person to be. Uh, so it's really imperative to get them out, but trying to have staff. There's a number of, of complex issues contribute to the staffing uh, challenges. Uh, one being, you know, everybody who wants home help typically wants it in the morning and wants it at lunchtime and wants it in the evening time. And it's very hard to get to everybody and there's no great demand in for home help maybe at 11 o'clock in the morning and at 4 o'clock in the evening and, you know, 9 o'clock at night. So there are kind of some little nuances we have to get. Obviously, the conditions and the pay and the the, the varying supports that are available for carers to make it a more attractive um, career. I would often advocate that we should look to nursing and how the nursing career has become so much more attractive in recent years thanks to the professionalism, the upskilling of nursing staff and it really has gone from being a, you know, a relatively um, I suppose career that was uh, regarded it was always regarded of course but I suppose it's now a, a much more attractive career to get into Yeah but I saw yeah I saw SIP2 um, who represent a lot of uh, home care workers and home helps as we still traditionally call them and they were raising concerns uh, about the pay gap between the HSE and the private and, and voluntary uh, carers in the, in the private sector you know they're saying some of the conditions are appalling they're overworked they're underpaid um, I mean that's that has has to be looked at. It is. It's a challenge within the sector. And I mean, we as an organisation, the Home and Community Care Ireland, which is the representative body of the private home care providers, have been lobbying, lobbying the government for over two years on this matter to try and get um, parity of, of, of pay for people within the private sector to make sure that they can be paid. I mean, ultimately, the HSE is paying every uh, home care worker, whether they're working for a private company or they're working for a public company, they're ultimately paying it. But um, the rates that are given to the private companies are much reduced from what it costs for each hour that's delivered within the public system. And we would love to see the, the pay rates significantly increased to represent the very valuable work that carers do. And indeed to see travel costs also included in the payment rate that the HSE gives to the private companies. And that's what our job as a representative because body it is. Because it is paid to the HSE home carers, isn't it? It is, but yeah. I mean, if you were to look, just it just this is kind of like back at the envelope of maths, really, Patricia. But I mean, every hour of home care that's delivered to the HSE, I saw somewhere anyway, I can't stand over this as empirical evidence, but costs somewhere in the region of forty euro an hour can cost when you factor in all the costs that they give. Whereas in the private sector, I think it's twenty two euro an hour cost, you know, because they don't pay the same rate. The HSE does all its management function, it does all its training, it does all its recruitment outside of the, the rate per hour, whereas what they do with the private is they give them a rate per hour and those private companies have to, recruitment is a huge issue because of the, the churn that's within the sector. So I think it costs somewhere in the region of €2,000 to recruit each single carer because you have to advertise and go through all the different betting processes and, and all of that. Uh, you have insurance costs which are mushrooming. So, the, you know, the private side, they have to schedule and manage the, the different bearing um you know, programs that have to be managed each day to allocate hours for people. So there's a lot of cost in there and then they can pay their care as best they can and they have to make a profit to survive and to whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it's a problem that has to, we're, we're almost hitting crisis level with it uh, now. And hasn't there been a lot of talk about a statutory home support uh, scheme? Are we any closer to that being introduced? We are. Can I just make one final point on the private and public? Because it often just gets, I think the debate can be lost by kind of focusing in on that. I mean, the reality is of the 6,000 people that are waiting for home care is the HSE cannot attract, even though they have much better rates and conditions, they cannot attract sufficient home carers to deliver the service. And nowhere more so is that evident in places like West Cork 
and that. So, you know, that's not the holy grail, the difference between public and private. We can beat ourselves up on that. I think the wider issue is to get, attract more people into the caring sector. Okay. And to do that, you have to, you know, improve the overall conditions. You have to improve the pathways for people to to progress to, uh, into different higher levels of ability and training and, and so on and forth so that you could build a seamlessly into a nursing career. Okay, all right, because I can see somebody saying, I, I was a carer for 10 years. I ended up packing it in. The pay was so bad. Um, I would have to pay all of my own uh, mileage. Often I would end up being out on the road and between the hours I was giving us caring and out on the road I could be doing 60 hours a week to take home 400 euro it was an absolute uh, shambles uh, so just just very briefly the, the statutory um, home care scheme yeah that yeah. was something I was involved with. I yeah. spoke to previously myself about uh, we what we're understanding from the minister is that it will be brought in next year uh, okay. early next year and, and what will that, that mean what will that mean for families well, the first thing it will be is that you'll be entitled to home care by a right. You know, like it, like at the moment with the Fair Deal Scheme, everybody's entitled to get the Fair Deal Scheme no matter how many people look for it, provided you're eligible for it. So the okay. same with home care, that would guarantee in statute that there will be sufficient hours available for people. But to do that requires a lot of changes to be brought about. There will also be regulation brought in, which will ensure that standards of care delivered are, you know, equitable across and that there's no variance there. And but we're, there going to need, we're going to need the carers. But we will still need the carers to deliver it, absolutely. So that's the the key part is to get the workforce planning piece right where you can attract more. I mean, this is a European-wide. The European uh, care strategy was launched there last week or the week before. France Fitzgerald would be very involved in that. And they have identified an absolute shortage of the number of carers and people who are willing to care to meet the demands of European-wide so we can all keep robbing from each other trying to get them in from one country to the other but there's you know there, there, there's large issues there as there is across every sector at the moment in the whole yeah. area okay, okay. We, we, we won't solve it today for sure listen Jim great to talk to you we'll speak again in the meantime thank you for that and thanks for joining us no problem. Good morning to you. That is uh, Jim Daly, who is chairman of the Home and Community Care Island 0818103103. Looking for your entries, please, for our free fuel Friday. Who is the star in the car? Um, I mean, I think the person I had the best rapport with was Sam Rockwell. We did everything together. Now, who do you think that is? If you know the answer, I need you now to text in that young woman's name along with your name and address. You text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. We'll let it run while news at 11 is on and then we will select our winner after news at 11 and one of our lucky listeners will be walking away 100 euro better off by way of a fuel voucher with the C103s free fuel uh, Friday um, you can fill up your tank you can fill up your home heating oil it's up to you what you want to do with it C103's free, free, free fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations you can check it out at your local oil company dot IE always local only on C103 who is this? Um, I mean I think the person I had the best rapport with was Sam Rockwell we did everything together Okay, you need to text and WhatsApp only, please. Don't call us on it. It's text and WhatsApp now. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. 
Phone and text lines are currently closed. I kicked off the uh, show in the last hour by mentioning we were getting calls in from the Donnerail area. People were saying they turned on their tap and there was no water and could we find out what was going on? So we got onto Irish Water and they've just told us that due to a burst water main there will be no water in the following areas of Butterfield and Donnerail today. They reckon by about four o'clock they should have it sorted out. The areas most affected Rossa, Streamhill, Ballyhower Bridge, Velvetstown, Watercourse, Nakanar and the surrounding areas in Cork County Council along with Irish Water apologising for any inconvenience caused but it is due to a burst water main hence the reason no water in parts of Donnerail and uh, Buttervent uh, today today is a free fuel Friday um, I mean I think the person I had the best rapport with was Sam Rockwell we did everything together stars in the cars uh, Chris O'Flynn in Carrick Tuhill good morning to you Chris morning how are you I'm very well thank you who do you think that star in the car is Sir Ronan. It is Sir Sharonan. Congratulations. You've just won Thank for you yourself much. a 100 euro fuel voucher. Will it That's go brilliant. into the tank of the car or will it go into home heating oil? It could go into home eating oil. I only ordered it yesterday. Yeah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> From East Cork Oil. So. Oh, well. <laughs> we couldn't have so set this one up better. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well done, That's well it. done. Well, congratulations uh, to you, Chris, and thank you for entering. Thank you very much, okay. Trisha. Thank you. Good Bye-bye. morning to you. That Bye-bye. is Chris O'Flynn, uh, Carrick Tuhill, a winner of a €100 Euro fuel voucher with East Cork Oil. They're serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. You can see your local oil company.ie. Always local, only on C103. And we're feeling really generous uh, today uh, because we are going to do a second €100 Euro voucher giveaway. I don't know if I have the new star uh, yet I don't okay uh, so stay tuned I will play you another star in the car in a little while and I'll give you the details of when you can text our WhatsApp so we will have a second winner for today but congratulations to Chris O'Flynn in Carrick Tool. now let me go back to some of your calls and comments coming into the programme okay we were talking about the special needs payment and the urgent needs uh, payment that's there for everyone it's not just for people who are living on social welfare it's there for people who are working and we were speaking with uh, Sean Sherlock about it now there does seem to be a little bit of a problem in that not a lot of, not everybody knows about it I think is one issue and then the other issue is I think people seem to think that if they're working it's not for them and it is it is absolutely uh, for anyone who finds themselves if in a financial situation whereby something's gone wrong it's an exceptional need it's an urgent need and as I mentioned you can apply for money to help towards your heating for food for child-related expenses, for clothing, um, for funeral expenses, any kind of household expenses. For example, if suddenly there's a leak in the roof, you need household repairs uh, done. Uh, they, they also help out with things like rent deposits, bedding. Um, anyway, it's it's the urgent and exceptional needs payments. They, they have two separate ones. Don't quite understand why they call one urgent and one exceptional. Uh, but there's a pot of money there. And it's it's a bottomless pot from what we can get from the government because whenever the government is challenged on people not being able to afford something or people you know have an electricity bill or can't put oil into their tank to heat their home, 
every minister would point them in the in the direction of the community welfare office and say go there to get an exceptional needs uh, payment uh, but there just seems to be there seems to be a delay this four week delay on an urgent needs payment I scratching my head if somebody urge is it's urgent somebody needs it now not in four weeks time and I already had some calls and texts in about it one listener says I need to get a kitchen appliance so I've applied under this exceptional needs uh, payment I went into the social welfare office they gave me the form I filled in all of the forms I've had to send it off to uh, Mallow and three weeks I'm still waiting to hear well it seems listening to Sean Sherlock that the average time it's taking is four weeks so I would say to you if you haven't heard anything by four weeks after you've sent that form in I'll be picking up the phone and ringing just to see what exactly is going on and then Kathleen in Clannacilty said it's very hard for ordinary people on low incomes to access any of those payments I applied for this payment for my sister I had to send in the forms and it was into a Cork City office because the office in Bandon was closed they wrote back after about two weeks they were looking for bank statements they were looking for other documents and believe me this is actually turning people off it's not that we're trying to hide anything but for people People that don't drive or perhaps don't have access or are not on the internet, all of these things take time to get. It's actually turning people off applying. At the end of the day, myself and my sister decided not to borrow with the payment. It just all seemed to be too complicated. I helped her out myself. Well done, uh, Kathleen, in uh, Clonakilty. And I wonder as well, is that turning people off if they make it very complicated and looking for all kinds of records? And I accept that they have to check that somebody isn't scamming the system. But if they make it too complicated, there is the fear factor that it will turn genuine people who really need these payments, that it will simply uh, turn them off. And I would absolutely hate uh, to see that that happening. That's why we're always encouraging people, if you do find yourself in financial difficulty, to please reach out to that urgent need and the exception needs payment uh, is uh, there. And then when I mentioned the Ukrainians and the fact that the Minister for Integration, Rodrigo Gorman, who is responsible for the Ukrainian refugees arriving into this country he had to announce yesterday that the City West Reception Centre is now full to a capacity which means now anyone that arrived in overnight last night into Dublin Airport would have to have been accommodated at the airport but there's only so many people I imagine that they can accommodate at the airport so now the officials at the Department of Integration have had to brief the Ukrainian Embassy and ask the Ukrainian Embassy to brief their officials in Ukraine to tell uh, people in Ukraine who are thinking of coming to uh, Ireland for refuge that there is literally no room at the inn. A lot of commentary in on this, uh, including John who says, Patricia, we have a housing crisis already in this country and yet it feels like the government have left the back door open. Uh, who is running this country? We're not able to house our own citizens at the moment. Hi Patricia, I sent a text into you, it must have been about six months ago, when I said we are only one little boat in the sea. When you put too many into that uh, boat we all know what will happen and that certainly seems to have happened uh, now. Cork uh, North Cork listener says Patricia I'm wondering about all the Ukrainians and the asylum seekers that are here already look at all the money that has been spent on them. I'm trying to make some sense of it all. Why are we not spending any of this money on our own homeless people? My mother used to always say, look after your own first. It sickens me that we once again seem to be neglecting our own. Imagine all the houses that could be built with the money that's been spent. Uh, Not impressed with the government if they have no clue. Look at all the price hikes and the government seem to be doing nothing about it and and fuel prices going up. Well, you know, hang on, the government was 
say we spent 11 billion on our own in the last budget and they're trying to do they will say the best they can uh, with this cost of living crisis and of course it isn't just this country that has a cost of living crisis every single uh, country because of what's happening in Ukraine because of the Russian invasion every single country unfortunately are seeing price increases and then uh, this is somebody uh, I think this person has texted before not happy with me at all which is fine which is fine you're on about Ukrainians again this morning your show you really show a complete lack of understanding as to what's happening the refugees at the moment according to this texter, are Russians fleeing from the Ukraine offensive. They have a right to self-determination and don't want to be part of Ukraine. They are in the vast majority from Crimea and the Donbass. Ukraine is a huge country and there's no war in 80% of it. Yes, you have people from these areas, yet you have people from these areas flocking to Ireland. It will be similar to people from Cork claiming to be refugees during the troubles in the north, only we were much closer. Do some research and stop this propaganda that you dish out on a daily uh, basis. Well, uh, unless you're working with the Department of Integration and you can back up what you're saying, that you actually have the evidence that the vast majority are Russians who are fleeing to this country. Because the last time I looked into, and I don't know if it was the same text came from the same person or not, but it was somebody uh, disputing the number of men that are in this country from Ukraine. So I did the research and I checked out looking at the numbers from the Central Statistics Office on the number of people from Ukraine who've arrived into this country since the invasion on the 24th of uh, February. And the 47% of the arrivals are women aged 20 and over and 36% of them are uh, children under the age of 18. So that leaves us uh, with uh, 18% that are males and the 18% that are males are over the age, they just say they're males over the age of uh, 19. We don't know how many of those are elderly men because there were a number of elderly men uh, who managed to get out as well. And by the way, the highest percentage of those uh, arriving are categorised as one parent women with uh, children. So they are the facts. The facts are there. So I have done the research on it. So unless you're working with the Department of Integration and you actually have clearer facts to say that the people are uh, coming from Donbass and Crimea. Send it in to me. Send it in to me. I'd love to take a look at your uh, research. Hi Patricia, you're speaking about Ukrainians um, and earlier you were talking about Irish people having little money in their pockets by the time we pay all our bills. Well, I'll include myself, says this texter, as a pensioner. Uh, these people are staying in hotels they're getting free board and they don't have to worry about paying their electricity their gas bills, their food bills and they're getting more money than I am Patricia. I've worked all my life I only retired this year and I'm absolutely sick of this government handing out money to people who never put a penny into this country Katrina Toomey the wonderful Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners was on Facebook pleading with the government to help the people coming into her who are soaking wet their tents were drenched. It's an absolute disgrace when it comes to our own people. I've all the sympathy in the world for the Ukrainians, but it's getting out of hand now. The government would do well to remember who vote for them. It is the Irish uh, people. 0818103103 just an example of some of your texts and comments coming in. John Paul's taking the calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
fitters and electricians are wanted to install industrial doors and dock equipment. Email CVs please to treetechbuildlimited at gmail.com. Experienced construction workers are wanted for a new residential development in Court McSherry. Email jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. An early years educator is wanted for Timaleague Community Play School. CVs please to Timaleague Community Play School at gmail.com. And an accounts assistant slash bookkeeper wanted to join an established company in Mallow. You need to have five plus years experience. Email CVs to karen.obrien at osborne.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. I always get very excited when Alice Taylor's latest book arrives on my desk and her newest offering once again does not disappoint. It's simply entitled The Nana. This book highlights the most precious link between the generations and I'm delighted to say the lovely Alice Taylor joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. And our, my apologies that I had to cancel you the last time because of the dreaded COVID. I know, yeah, I know. But, but fully recovered and so delighted to have you back. Uh, now, now, I was discussing this book actually with my sister Paula who was coming down to mind Marsha and that's how we all ended up with the COVID. But anyway, um, I was discussing the book with her because she saw it on the table and she said, oh, what's it like? And I said, it's like being wrapped up in a patchwork quilt of Nana's love. <laughs> and then she spent the evening looking after my small one and she ended up reading the book. And the next day she said to me, she said, I'll correct you. She said, it's a rainbow of Nana's snuggled up in a patchwork quilt. Well, and I, I thought that was even nicer than my one. Lovely. So there you go. Now, it's 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 got all the, we all have wonderful memories yes. of, of our own grandmothers, don't we? I mean, that's what this book, that's what this book nails. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were, and they came in all forums, didn't they, Patricia? You know, there was the nana that straightened you up and straightened you out. And there was the nana that would forgive you anything. And there was, I think the thing about the nanas was for children, they provided a kind of a secure blanket you know, mm. and they were always there and they were there to listen really, I suppose, the, the nanas I find that, that now that you're, you're, um, you've come to the stage of life as well, Patricia I think when you become a nana, that you begin to get your priorities right sometimes it takes us a long time doesn't it? Yeah, because how often will you hear adult children say to to their, to their mothers, you never would have left me away with that when I was a child, and suddenly <laughs> you let the grandchildren away with it. You do. I suppose you become more tolerant and you become wiser. And the, I mean, life does that too, doesn't it? It does. But I, and I, you know, I love the story there, but and I put it into the book, John Moriarty, you know, the Kerry philosopher and uh, I suppose prophet of our time. He, he tells the story there about he, he was looking after his niece, a bit like you now. He was your sister, he was looking after his niece and the rest of the family were gone to um, the Easter devotions and um, himself and the niece was six years old and he was home from Canada where he was lecturing and uh, they were watching the cow calving and the little one who was six said, oh, she said, uh, um, I came out of my mammy's tummy and John listened and 
then she said, where did Nana come from? Walter Nana's tummy. And then John said, where did Nana come from? And uh, the child said, oh, Nana was always there. <laughs> you know, it didn't, didn't that speak volumes? Absolutely, like? absolutely. And of course, you share all the journeys, your own Nana, yeah. your mother then as a grandmother, and of course, you're a Nana. Yeah. But I want to go back to your Nana. Now, um, was born in 1860. Her parents would have survived the That's famine. Right. They were, and could you imagine, Patricia, what it was like to be born into an Ireland and, and, and parented by people who had come through the famine? Sure, you know, they were, they were survivors. And I think that generation of grandmothers, thinking back to my grandmother, they had mastered the art of survival because they had to. And the amazing thing about it is, uh, I remember my father telling me that it was his mother taught him how to kill a pig. Now, that was a pretty barbaric exercise. Yeah. And the same thing, uh, my maternal grandmother taught my uncle. Now, these were women that had to do things that were very tough. There was no choice to yeah. survival. That that younger people today would be horrified They'd even be at the horrified. very thought. And yeah. your description, your, your quote of your grandmother... She, she could kill you or she could cure you. She, could, yeah. she, was, she was a tough woman. She was a tough woman, but underneath it, as kind as yeah. a nut like. There was great. She didn't believe in plumassing you. But if there was trouble, she was there. And um, I remember she married into a house, a house where there was, I don't know, six or seven um, brother in laws. Every one of them, um, Patricia absolutely adored her. Mm. And but, she, great... but she, but she, I mean, okay, she married her husband, but yes. she actually took on a, a complete family. She did, because inside the house before her was a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, a brother-in-law, and he got married and he had two children before he got his own place. Mm. And they all um, they had great respect for her and loved her. It's a great testimony to you, Patricia, if you were in laws, think you were great. Yeah, it is. That is very true. I, I can happily say I have a great relationship with my mother-in-law. She's yes. an absolute and joy. Think, yeah. She's a joy. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing about your own grandmother, you still remember that very long guardian angel prayer oh, that, she, imagine that she taught you yeah, yeah I and thought I, that was yeah, lovely it was amazing I never forgot it because it took it took nights upon nights of repetition and but she got it into my head eventually and it never left <laughs> and I love the fact that she take to the bed yes yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you'd have to take to the bed uh, there's all those times we all want to take to the bed take as well bed. Now, I mean, she did I mean yeah. she didn't talk about it she did it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and grandchildren spending time with grandparents, especially during the summer months, yes. is that very much an Irish thing? I suppose it is because, uh, and funny how, how the seed of this book originated actually was at a book signing in Dublin years ago. Funny, it's amazing, Patricia, the way a book is triggered off and it mightn't be written for years afterwards. But I remember doing a book signing and this uh, big hefty dub arrived and uh, he told me he was um, working the docks and uh, we had a conversation and he was in, he said, I was I was reading the inner city and I said, how come you're buying, you know, to go to the fields or one of those books? Oh, he said, every summer I went down to my Mayo grandmother. 
I spent all my summers in Mayo with my grandmother. And he said, at the time, he said, I looked for, it was the light of my life, he said. And years afterwards, he appreciated that grandmother. So those, they were the stay-at-home country grandmothers. Yeah. And all the town and city children went to them. I saw it in the village when I came. There was one family living across the road. Six children, they arrived as soon as the schools closed, down they arrived to the grandmother. And they spent the whole summer here. And the freedom, particularly if they came, like, as you said, that man from the inner city, imagine him going to down to a farm in Mayo. Oh, my God, the, they the, loved the it. And then your own niece, Lisa, I was, yes. she, had a, she had the comparison between a Welsh grandma oh, and, and an Irish uh, nana, which yeah. obviously was your mum. Yeah. And you tell a beautiful story yeah. about the day your own mum died. Yeah. And Lisa walking by the sea. Yeah, and 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 she was thinking, you know, that she felt a, a presence, and she said she kind of thought she came to say goodbye. Uh, you know, isn't it great? You know, I know now that a lot of the young crowd, they don't match to the same, uh, you know, spiritual drum that we match to. But they have a great sense of the spiritual at the same time. Mm. You know, and I thought that was lovely. They, you know, this sense of this otherworldliness. And I think in a way the grandmothers, they had a great sense of the divine in their in their lives. I think that were the three things they had. They had a great respect for the, we, they called it God, we might call it the divine, but they had a great respect for something greater than themselves. They had a great respect for the land. The, you know, yeah. wrong nature and you pay a terrible price. They, they recycled, they, you know, and they, I can remember my mother going out on rogation days blessing the crops, you know, and they had great respect for the family, the roots of the family. I mean, when you think of the letters from America to America, they sat down and wrote all those long letters. And the immigrants, of course, could you imagine if you were a young, you know, after immigrated to New York, a big long letter from Nenard. And there would be the news from the whole parish. Oh, the whole parish, yeah. <laughs> and of course they had great faith and oh, all of us okay. will remember our Nana's prayer book with the mortuary cards. That's right. Yeah, and the mortuary cards were kept. I can, I can still remember my own mother's yeah. prayer book, and the mortuary cards yeah. were, all, were all kept in the prayer book. Yeah, bulging with, with yeah. yeah, and in a way like those those mortuary cards, they were a historical record because the dates, all the dates were in them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember Auntie Peg's um, prayer book. Um, Bulging with mess cards. I mean, they were a little poem. They were a little historical poem of the family, weren't they? They were. They were absolutely. And of course, nanas were great for providing the treats and standing to the grandchild. Oh, that's right. The standing. If you said a standing now to a youngster, they would know what you're talking about. Yeah. But the standing was done, and in a way, it kind of. You know, the children, the grandchildren loved it because they could go. You know, they could go then to buy things. And that time, you know, sixpence was a lot of money. God, if you're going to have crown, you're a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> the money was, you know, it was slipped in quietly. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, elderly friends as well of your parents would slip stands to you. And in, you know, Lisa says there, you know that. Um, 
when they were going back to England after having spent their, you know, their holidays in Lestang and Nana always stood to them and they were delighted with it. Like. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, she makes a very funny point. She said, you know, sometimes you could get a prayer instead of a £10 note. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be really disappointed. <laughs> and the, the death then of a much-loved granny, of course, it's the first experience of death for many children, it, it, isn't it? It is. It, and it, it kind of makes him, I mean, um, John, I don't know who there tells the story about his um, an old neighbour who was not actually a grandmother, but sometimes there are kind of proxy grandmothers. It could be, if, if there wasn't a real grandmother, there could be a woman next door who would become a grandmother. In, uh, figure. A grandmother figure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and or, or, or an aunt could become a grandmother figure. But he, he did a story coming home from school and this this neighbour who was actually a, a nana to him had died suddenly. And he said the bottom fell out of his world. He never realised there was such a thing as death because he was very small. And he couldn't believe how people were going around acting normally around this terrible catastrophe for him. Yeah, somebody wanted, somebody thought that the announcement of the Nana dying should have been on the six o'clock news. That's right, because yeah. every big event was on yeah. the six o'clock news. Yeah. So to her, like, it should have been on the news. So it is their first encounter with the harshness of life. Nana is gone, like. And, um, and you, and you, and there's so many in the book of that people who played the role of of grandmothers. I mean, you were um, Auntie Peggy, the, the yeah. Auntie Peg, the Nana next door. That's right. I mean, Mrs. C in <laughs> up in, in the West Wing, an unusual grandmother, but you know, oh but my still, God, yes. the role role was there. And then the village Nana who lived in Borna Sop. That's right. Everyone called her Nana, even though she was the Nana to no one. You know, but it isn't it? Yeah, it, and that's lovely because it gives children a great sense of belonging and security. And you know, in a way, like um, Patricia, the old tradition of calling the children after the grandmothers or the grandfather, that's a lot of validity because if you happen to be doing a family tree, mm. if there's a, a recurring family name, it, they're like stepping stones. You say, oh, they're all proud because they had a Susan, they had an Alice. Yeah, So, yeah. You, you, you know, it was an identification process in a sense. Yeah, and it's, I, I mean, I don't know how many people today now... Oh, no, they don't do it I, I'm assuming they still go in as second names, though, do they? You'll often see that. So that again, so, oh, the so, second, yeah. oh, yeah, that's... that's yeah. It. So, but I think, I think we're kind of developing an appreciation for what we threw out. You know, that uh, I always think the the hardy gordy shopping cock and the notice over the door, come in and and, and buy what your grandmother threw out. Now, our grandmother didn't draw them out. I think we threw them out. That's it, that's it. And sending you into a hardy gordy shop, Alice Taylor, is the worst thing anyone could do. <laughs> But God, the sense of excitement, Patricia, is there anything more interesting than other people's uh, leftovers, like going into um, a hurdy-gurdy shop? Isn't an antique shop or isn't um, a charity shop? It's very hard to describe it, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is, yeah. Are you a fan of charity shops? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I go into places, uh, Patricia, and at the door I say a prayer, God, don't let me see anything here that I'd like. <laughs> and and you, you end the book talking about you getting rid of your open fire, Alice. Oh, my God. You know, the new the new awareness of the environment. But then, uh, Patricia, in a way, you know, this whole thing now about we're saving everything, we're saving energy, we're kind of going back to the way we started. I mean, I was reared to the background music of turn off the light yeah we're back to turn off the light yeah 
you know. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, so I think um, if we have to dust the light and spare the heating and spare the fire, um, Patricia, we'll all end up with long johns and then a knickers on us. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the book is absolutely gorgeous. I would suggest anyone to pick it up and buy it and give it as presents. I think it's going to make a gorgeous present. A gorgeous present if you're lucky enough to still have your Nana alive. I think yes. it's a beautiful book. It's simply entitled The Nana and I've got one question that I have to ask you before before you go from the book. Did Johnny Mark ever come home safely to Katie Mark? He did. He did. And I will say no more because you're going to have to read the book to work out who Johnny Mark is. And I worried about him that he didn't come home safe. No, the whole parish worried about him. <laughs> Good to know. Listen, pleasure as always, Alice. Look after yourself. Yeah. And Patricia. we'll speak again. We'll yeah. speak again because yeah. we always speak to Alice on Christmas Eve. That is the wonderful Alice Taylor and her latest book called The Nana. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk. Walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hey, guess what? We have another one of these 100 euro free fuel vouchers to give away, and we're going to give it away now. Who is this? We approached her and we didn't know what kind of answer we'd get because she hasn't done anything since 2016. Okay, I need to listen to that again. Listen carefully. We approached her and we didn't know what kind of answer we'd get because she hasn't done anything since 2016. Okay, a very, very well-known uh, English singer. Who is that? I need you to text or WhatsApp now, please, to 0862103103 uh, for your chance to win one of our 100 euro free f- fuel voucher. We're rolling through another C103 free fuel Friday. You can fill up the tank. Uh, you can put it into home heating uh, oil if you can identify who the star in the car is. We approached and we didn't know what kind of answer we'd get because she hasn't done anything since 2016. Okay, you've about five minutes uh, to text in who that is, who's the star in the car, along with your name and address, 0862103103C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. See your local oil company.ie. Always local, only on C103. Get dialing or get texting, should I say, on that. In the meantime, let me catch up with uh, commentary that's become into the programme. Firstly, had some gorgeous, gorgeous comments and texts in following my chat with the wonderful Alice Taylor and her new book called uh, The Nana. Thank you so many people uh, saying how much they enjoyed listening to Alice. Listen, I could have her on every Friday. I could listen to her and I could chat to her. She's just an absolute joy to behold. But her books, they're just getting better. They are just getting better and better and better. But here's a gorgeous WhatsApp in from a listener. I don't know if there's a name. It is Anne-Marie. Thank you Anne-Marie for this who says Patricia so lovely to hear Alice Taylor on your programme today my mum visits Cork from the Dublin I was visiting Cork from the Dublin area some years ago and always enjoyed the chance to visit Cork where one of her favourite authors i.e. Alice Taylor is is living 
Whenever one of Alice's books were released, my mother bought it immediately. Anyway, on this particular occasion, we had decided to take Mum to the Model Railway Village in Clonakilty for one of our day trips out, and we decided we'd travel via the hollowed ground of Shannon. On passing through, I said to Mum, this is Alice's village. And immediately Mum says, oh, stop the car. Wouldn't it be great to get a photograph of Alice's locality? Suddenly, I spotted Alice crossing the road, so I quickly ran over to her and I asked if she wouldn't mind joining in in a photograph with my mum. Alice was a pure lady. Straight away, she greeted the photograph and then she chatted with my mum as if they were long-standing friends. It made my mum's day month and year. Afterwards on getting back into the car, mum asked if I'd arranged the meeting in advance. If I thought I could, I would, but I wouldn't have known how to set it up or whether we would have been bothering Alice. That said, as it happened, the encounter rolled along as if it was military planned. Alice warmly shared her time and her chat as if my mum was the most important priority at that moment in time. A wonderful lady. Since then, I too, like mum, have developed my Alice Taylor book collection. As for mum, well, she was in hospital recently and guess what? One of Alice's books went along with her. Alice is not just an amazing writer. She's also an unbelievably lovely person in the flesh. Thank you, Alice, and thank you, Patricia, for making it possible for us to hear her this morning. That's from Anne-Marie. Well, it was my absolute pleasure and that's a beautiful story and that doesn't in any way surprise me that Alice would take time out to talk uh, to somebody and would natter into the dozen and gorgeous to think that she made your mum feel as important and important person of course she is one of Alice's fans so to Alice every single person that reads Alice's books are important uh, to her lovely story Emery and thank you for taking the time out to send it in to us Hi Patricia when Alice was talking about grandmothers and the Hansel Day my mother always does Hansel Day for my two children. It's something my nan used to do for her family and my mother continues it with uh, her grandchildren. I love the idea of traditions, things that happened with your own grandparents and then they get passed on. There is something lovely about it. Hi Patricia, we don't when you were talking about mortuary cards and mortuary cards in the prayer books, unfortunately many of us don't have prayer books anymore. I keep all of my mortuary cards in my cookery book. I have them marking my favourite recipe pages so I get to say hello to them regularly. Isn't that sweet? I like that. Lovely by the way uh, to hear Alice this morning and I'm looking forward to hearing Alice over Christmas. She's a treasure. I love her to bits says this text so thank you for that well Margaret in Tallow she has her mortuary cards and she has them kept in her prayer book so, the, so there are some people that st- still do keep up that uh, that tradition thank you and Joe and Charleville was on to the phone lines and said love Alice's books I would not consider myself a book reader but I've read most of Alice's books and a lot of them was prompted by interviews that she did on your programme I was in Killarney recently and I actually spotted that book The Nana so I bought it and it is a delight and it is it, there's something really really special about this one I don't know what it is I said all of her books are lovely but it's just I think it's that connection between the generations I think it just brings home that connection between the generations it's lovely so thank you to people taking time out to say they were delighted to uh, hear um, Alice on the programme now the situation that's going on across the water in the UK Michael, Patricia the whole population of Ireland should have a good look at what is happening in the UK in just 44, 45 days after putting inexperienced people into government 
people should never confuse populism with what might happen in government. It's still amazing how the British people are not digesting the news that Liz Truss has resigned after 40 plus days, that the cabinet is in chaos and that the country is in turmoil and instead casually discussing whether Boris Johnson should return as PM. It just reveals so, so much party before country. It couldn't be clearer what their objectives are. The Tories have never been so split. Interesting days and interesting weeks ahead in the UK territory. Thanking you and that's from uh, Michael in uh, Castleton Barry and I was I was messaging a friend of mine in the UK yesterday about the situation there and I thought she put it beautifully when she said the country is unravelling and that is a big big uh, worry for us here in this country as well because when things go wrong over there it has a tendency to have a ripple effect over here 0818103103 you can stop texting us on our free fuel Friday we approached her and we didn't know what kind of answer we'd get because she hasn't done anything since 2016. Sheila O'Connell is in Belgoolie. Good afternoon to you, Sheila. Good afternoon, Patricia. Who do you think that star in the car is? Elton John. It is Elton John. Yeah. Well, well done. You've won for yourself a €100 Euro fuel voucher. Great. That's fantastic. Is Thank it, you. Is it going in the car or is it going into home heating oil? Uh, the car, in The car. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, do you do a lot of driving? Um, I do read. I suppose I do a fair bit of driving up and down to the city every day from Belgoolie, so yeah, uh, I go through a fair bit of fuel in and, the week. And it's starting yeah. to go up again, isn't it? It is, and when you're trying to run two cars, it's, it yeah. adds up to a lot. Well, there's yeah. a, there's a hundred euro. It'll keep you going for Great. a little while anyway. That's fantastic. Thanks a million for taking part. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Congratulations. Sheila O'Connell in Belgooley correctly identifying our star in the car as the wonderful Elton John. The C103 Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. You can see your local oil company.ie. Always local, only on C103. And we have more of the same uh, coming your way with uh, Nick Richards this afternoon. Nick, We'll be giving away another one of those uh, fuel uh, vouchers as will Martina here on C103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Valley de Hop Community Hall are presenting a one-act play by John Dowie. It's entitled Jesus My Boy. It's on tonight at 8. It's suitable for children aged 12 and over. Over admission 10 euro with proceeds going to the Ballydehab Union of Parishes. Kildallery Bingo is on tonight, the newly renovated old store in the Creamery Yard, 8 o'clock, jackpot 1,080 euro. Bingo is also on in Mallow GAA complex tonight at 8.15. They've got a jackpot of 3,346 uh, calls are uh, less. 50 50 draw also on the night. All funds raised going to the running of the juvenile and senior team in Mallow GAA. The Convent Primary School, they're holding an 80s, 90s and noughties night in the courtyard in the Arches in Mallow tonight. Doors open at half eight. Tickets are 10 euro and proceeds going to My Canine Companion. And Donnerail Active Retirement, their next meeting will be next Monday in the Presentation Pastoral Centre at three o'clock. Arts and Crafts Group 
will start at two just before the meeting. All are welcome. The book club will also uh, meet on Saturday the 19th of November. And Knocknagree Community Development Group are presenting a fashion show on next Thursday, the 27th of October at half past seven in Rathmore Community Centre. You're invited to come along and enjoy the night with lots of fun and spot prizes. Uh, for tickets, you can contact Noreen on 087 627 0806. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. I want to go to the phone lines where Michael joins me from uh, Mallow. Good afternoon to you, Michael. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, now, Michael, this is another school transport issue for a child with uh, special needs. We Thankfully, Jonathan got sorted with uh, Sebastian when he joined us uh, yesterday. Tell us your story. It's, it's your daughter, Sophia, who's 13. That's correct, yes. Um, Sophia lives with a model uh, autism, so does my son, Leighton, he's seven. Um, uh, Sophia was um, had to leave primary school and go to a full wraparound service um, school, I suppose, to learn life lessons. And Caligaline School came up, the you know, ETV school in Caligaline, the school is great. Uh, but we were promised in June that there may be a three or four day delay when she came in September for school transport. Um, and as of now, I'm trying to get on to bus here constantly uh, without reply. Um, I've tried to cover every angle and trying to get something there, but it's uh, it's unsustainable for us to do it. It's unethical for us to do it. Um, I'm on the road five hours a day just for Sophie alone going to school, you know. So, OK, a three or four day delay, you could have put up with that and said, look, we'll cover the first week and we'll drive her to Carrigaline and we'll collect her. But we're talking about we're nearly up to midterm break. Like the end of next week is midterm break. That's so correct. we're talking about all of September and all of October. You've been expected to get into the car and drive from Mallow to Carrigaline every day. Uh, can talk, yeah. Yeah, back to Mallow to Carrigaline and um, back home and back down again in the afternoon. Uh, 220 kilometres and it's a five hour long trip twice a day. 220 kilometres a day you're doing? Uh, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And like with Jonathan yesterday, do they give you money towards the cost of your fuel? I was only told yesterday, see, um, social workers are supposed to be in place to guide you and all these things, but um, I just think after a while when you get too familiar and stuff, you're, you're, you're just left to your own devices really, you know, and you have to find out all these things. And my mental capacity to take anything at this stage, we're, we're absolutely drained as a family, you know. We're absolutely drained. And, um, yeah, so you have to choose. I cannot do it every day, logistically, um, financially. I um, can't do it every day. Sophia is verbal in a sense to a certain extent, but Sophia's very good with the days of the week and stuff. Um, knows the days that she should be going to school. Like, it was a hard enough summer, like, you know, with any child, you know, to have the kids constantly through to summer. But then for September to come and for you not to have... Um, Anything in place is just um, utter madness. Um, I was I got one piece of contact from Jim Stack and Bus here, and what I said is that um, it'll it'll go before someone shortly. But the problem is is that they, they can't trust contractors, um, so there will be a long delay in it. Like, it's, well, hang on, now, it's but but uh, Sophie Sophia is the only child. I'm assuming in she's living in Cantork. She's the only child in that area going to Carrigaline, is she? That's correct. Yes, so it's, yeah. it's a taxi they'll provide. Um, it should be, yes, it should be, yes. With, with an SNA, with our... With yeah, because my son gets that, Leighton gets that to Charleville School, and even him going to Charleville School, this is his third school in three years. 
and now he's going to Rochestown, which is more specific to his needs, in February, with the view of getting to Carrigal Line. So we're talking five schools in three years, you know, and just, you know, it's um, familiarity and constantly getting moved and constantly meeting new faces. It's completely non-verbal, you know. It's um, it's crazy, and I have to drive to Charles, and obviously on Monday, maybe a Tuesday before I go to Carrigal Line because it actually becomes can't talk, you know. So, so um, I sorry, the, the phone line. I uh, wish the phone line was a bit was a bit better. Just, just so, so no, you, it's not your fault. So you're saying you have to drive Nathan to Charleville as well? Uh, yeah, two days a week. Yeah, one maybe two days a week. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a taxi service then from Cantalk the other days. Yeah, and then to Calgary, you don't get Calgary to the wrong Cantalk to you then. Come back down to Mallow for Corpus Eleven and leave then again at Harpers once to get down to Harpers two twenty to three. You know, that's your whole life revolves around your dropping life. your children to school. Yeah, and, you know, I'd rather have my time spent on getting them services, which is another, another complete mess altogether, you know. Um, they have real, real specific um, needs and behavioural problems and stuff like that. And Sophia takes her behaviours out on herself and others in, this, in the, the household then when she um, doesn't have a run you know. She's never had a full run of a week in school, you know, since we've been back, you know. Is she self-harming? She is, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. God, that's hard to watch, isn't it? It's colossal and, you know, attacking a bird on everybody else because she's repetitive. Like, she'll talk about school 20, 30 times and she'll keep on drumming her interest. You know, she knows what she wants. She's able to articulate that much, you know. And it's um, it's just, it's it's never-ending. It's defeatist. It's um, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody at all, you know, mum, dad, siblings, you know, it's... um. Um, it's it's ridiculous and not being able to go yourself work comes away down your self esteem because you can't go to work you can't do any of the, the above things because your life is married to to this at the moment you know you know it's hard enough just to rear them and I'm not you know it's not a pity pot that anyone looks for I think but it's just basic things you know basic entitlements you know well you want the best for your children but you want your best for your family as well and of course you do of course you do and, and nobody wants to listen you know I must say that Michael Minehan, um I kind of uh, championed and advocated and Sophia and Liam, they have to try and get them to the same school. I mean, if anybody was to come in and run something right and cost effective in the morning, Leighton's entitlement is actually to be in Caligaline School with his sister because it's the same psychologist report that he needs in specific school. It's a token gesture to give it um, um, Charleville CBS at the moment, and we're so grateful to Charleville CBS and they're doing a great job with him, but he has more specific needs than um, just, say... And what um, the school can meet. Yeah, than what the school can take. So in the ideal world, you would have both Sophia and Nathan going to the school in Caligaline. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm, collected mm-hmm. a door-to-door service, which is what they are entitled to. Uh, yes, and then the cost effectiveness thing kicks in because you're only having one SME, one, one, you know, yeah, one yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, it's double the cost, and, you know, it's 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 just a, it's a mind thing. It's, it's, um, there's so many obstacles putting your way on a, on a daily basis, you know. Um, my little man just claps his hands and bang walls all day, you know, and he's a danger to himself in the garden, smashing TVs. He smashed three TVs in the last six weeks, you know, um, and we don't get anything regarding um, occupational therapy, behavioural therapy, and you're left your own devices, and, you know, even if somebody was strong enough to kind of give us courses, give us ideas, give us the, um, the I suppose, the, 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 the know how and what to do, you know, and how to... Um, how to nip these things in the bud? It's like you're on the internet and you're going into a completely different world of 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 of, um, of, of suggestions. Then, and you know, who do you get guided by? Do you know, and it's only going to cost so much more in the end. Like, if so you you're, so you're saying the there's no there's no multidisciplinary team working with Nathan. 
Transport side of it, um, and it, is it is it just the two children? Have you other children? Yeah, I have two older kids as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, it's tough, one, and you know, a lot of people. Um, my heart goes out to you because, you know, there's so many people don't see what goes on behind closed doors when children go home from school, when the services aren't there and families are just so left on their own. And, and, and I think you've you've gotten that across about how being left on your own, trying to find the necessary tools. You know, you're, you're a dad at the end of the day. You want to parent your child. You don't want to be their psychologist. You don't want to be their occupational therapist, their speech and language therapist. But if, but if you've got some help just to show you what you should and shouldn't be doing that's all it's just sheer desperation like that like I'm married to my kids that's my vocation for the rest of my life and you know I'm married to my older kids obviously as well and they're the, they're the forgotten ones and all this you know behind closed doors you know the same thing that you can't watch a match with but the same thing that you can't go up with you know do anything at all because you can't have something if you want to watch a soccer match you know um, it's it's like it's it's damaging to everybody and there's a price to be paid for that eventually right? for everybody and it's more of a drain on the system instead of nipping it getting it right like we would go anywhere for the morning if they were reported to me to, to nip these things in the, you know and have to bear them better you know you blame yourself I was up until 10 past 4 this morning and I know that's crazy I've left my mind but emails 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 stack the media on front last night I can show you emails that are just just repetitive, constantly going in, um, promises, broken promises, you know, um, just a cry for help. That's what it is, you know, it's, it's just a cry for help. And it's, it's, um, uh, it's uh, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're sharing the plight of family carers. That's it. The real sad part about it, Michael, is you're one of many. And that doesn't give you much yes. comfort, but but you really are one of many. Do they do, do the kids sleep? Are they good to sleep? Uh, no, no, they wouldn't be great sleep. Doesn't they miss school and stuff and things because of that? Um, sometimes yeah. man would only go an hour, an hour and a half, and he's up then and he's buzzing and uh, tearing the place apart. You try and lock all the doors. Everything's broken in the house. You know, every iPads go. Maybe the most you get out of any tablet is maybe two or three weeks. You know, um, constantly get stuff repaired, constantly get new stuff. Uh, it's just they can't. I suppose they can't. Um, 
they can't speak to me and show me the frustration. Stop their phones, the battery. Yeah, yeah it's, battery it's, was yeah. dead. Battery was dead. All right, we will we will do what we did yesterday as please, well. We'll, we'll send know, on please, uh, send on so emails and. It's just, and, 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 and Michael, you know, for most people, it's Friday heading into, people looking forward to the weekend ahead. What What's weekends like? Um, for you? Lots of swimming, lots of horse riding in the most magnificent place in the Skinner's. Um, St. Joseph's Foundation. Oh, yeah. my dear almighty. It's just one hour that you get where it's normalised because you're not judged, you know. It's um, keep them tired is the key, you know. And they're getting a lot of colds and flus and stuff in the moment. So, like, the swimming might have to go for a while. And that's going to be a huge turmoil as well, you know. Trying to find something else. You can't leave them in the house. They're in the house already long enough during the week. You know? and, by, and by the way, when you mentioned the Skinner and St. Joseph's Foundation, was, is, there, is there no, was, was St. Joseph's Foundation the Holy Family School? And, and I know this school well because yeah, it's where we my daughter went. From Sophia was, we were promised uh, and we were told and led to believe that from the age of three when um, Sophia was diagnosed and also late at the same age, two and a half, that they would be going to St. Joseph's yeah. because we're affiliated and attached to them. That's where the services are. Um, year in, year out, we're always told, no, there's not a chance, it's there's full, not a chance. It's full. Ideally, ideally they should be down there yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, and because and, the, and, the, yeah, and, the, and their buses run from all over uh, North Cork, but they're bursting at the seams. They literally are bursting at the it seams. Alright, listen, my, my heart goes out to you. Thank you Not for reaching out Thank and let's keep so, our fingers so crossed for you. God bless. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, I think just giving a, a glimpse into what life is like for so many family carers who really, really are struggling with children with very, very challenging uh, needs. Let's see if we can uh, get some a little bit of good news. It won't solve all of their problems, but if we could at least get the bus sorted out, uh, like what happened with uh, Jonathan yesterday with his son uh, Sebastian. It's just um, when you're enjoying your weekend this weekend, just think of families uh, like Michael. And there's just so many of them all over the country. And of course, I mentioned respite. The respite is gone. There isn't hope of anybody getting respite. There's just no break that goes on 24-7 for those families. Uh, 0818-103-103. Uh, John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 86 Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 The group that run under the banner One Town, One Voice is now looking for other areas to establish similar multicultural singing groups. To tell us more about it, I'm joined by Graeme Clifford from Fomoy, who set up the Sanctuary Runners uh, Movement. Uh, good afternoon to you, Graeme. Good afternoon, Patricia. Good to talk to you. And always great to talk to you. Was it out at the Sanctuary Runners that the Fomoy International Choir came? Or which, it's like the chicken and the egg. Which came first? <laughs> well, they're, they're more like cousins okay. uh, than anything else, really. You'll remember we had the Fomoy International Choir, uh, Patricia. And it's kind of as a result of that and seeing how well that worked in Fomoy. Um, you know, we decided then, OK, we needed to set up a national organisation to try and recreate, I suppose, what we did in Formoy and other parts of the country. Uh, but but the, the aim is similar, I suppose, to the Sanctuary Runners in the sense that it's about bringing people together through shared experience in a positive way. OK, take us back and tell us about the Formoy International uh, Choir and how that all started. It was back in early oh. 2019, wasn't it? 
Yeah, with pleasure, Jeannie. Well, yeah, so I was looking for ways, I suppose, to um, come up with initiatives that would help bring people together in Formoy uh, with a specific emphasis on, you know, the fact that the town is quite multicultural, you know, almost one in four people who live here would have moved from a different country. And I think one day we calculated over 60 different nationalities living and working in the town. So somebody mentioned, you know, why don't we try a choir? There was an amazing choir director called Lisa Dumphy, who I, I, I knew shared the same kind of views on me that with me that uh, bringing people together is so important, not for themselves, but also for the town. And so out of that, we started the, the choir, not knowing how successful it would be over the last few years. Even COVID withstanding, we've had over 200 people involved in the choir from over 30 different nationalities. That's incredible. And it's, it's been incredible how cohesive it has, has made that group and the knock-on impact then for the town. Yeah, what, what, has, it done, the what has it done for integration in the town, do you think? Yes, I was just going to say, you know, you could be walking... Somebody could have been walking down the one street for five years and uh, had the head down and not known anybody. And then they get involved in something where they meet Irish people and people from other countries living in their same town. And suddenly they're walking down the street with their head up and they know this person and they know that person and they go into this shop and that cafe and suddenly they're involved in another initiative. Or what happened in Formoy, for example, for a while was uh, people were singing and then they said, you know what, why don't we set up a walking group as well? And, and so things develop, you know, you're, you're nudging a domino and because it's all positive, you know, I say to people, leave your worries at the door, come in, sing for an hour. You can pick up your worries on the way out if you want. But for this hour, make it positive and make it about something for yourself and for your community. And it really does have that positive knock on impact. And the town is proud, I think, of that, you know. So while it is it predominantly was set up about singing, it is very much a social event, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same with the running, with the sanctuary runners. I mean, it could be tiddlywinks for all I care, really. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, what is the simplest way to get as many people together as often as possible? So, and something that's positive. The great thing about singing, I suppose, or running or whatever, is focused on what you're doing, but you're doing it with others. So without even realising it, I, I think barriers are being broken down. You feel part of something bigger. You rely on each other and you enjoy that time with each other. And, and that's what I, I suppose what these initiatives are trying to create greater community integration to the benefit of everybody has language ever become an issue with the choir well this is the beautiful thing so um you know a lot of the guys in our choir in Formoy, for example would come from different countries um as would be the case in towns across ireland you know much more multicultural now than when we were young or whatever but um so a lot of people would speak english as a second language um, and we would work to choose songs that uh, would allow for that. You know, when you're in a choir, there's lots of different ways of, of, of dealing with stuff like linguistic issues, uh, oohs and ahs and all the rest. Um, and you would choose songs that are probably easier for somebody for whom English is their second language to understand uh, and things like that. So there's ways by just being clever in terms of the material that you decide upon and how you... Uh, lead a group that you can you can overcome those issues. Do you know what we did a few years ago, Patricia, as well, which is very interesting? We we did Silent Night, but we did it in lots of different languages. I remember, so I remember people. it. I'm sure we played did it. Out. I'm sure, yeah, because I I saw it on YouTube. I'm sure we played it out on air one Christmas. It was it was beautiful. Oh my God, you it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. But we had Irish we had Irish people also learning Czech and Lithuanian and Spanish and. 
French and Italian, and and they finally they're going, oh okay, that's a bit tricky, but I can I can do it. And it was lovely to get out the Irish people understanding how tricky it is to learn a different language, and uh, and and to converse in that, you know. So the whole thing is is usually positive. Uh, and it's been an amazing experience and that's why we're so excited about bringing it to other towns. Okay, then th- th- this is why we're speaking with you today. You want to go forth and grow. You're hoping that other towns all over the county and indeed all over the country will follow suit. That's right. Go, go forth and mul- multiply. I haven't <laughs> used that phrase, but I might use it from now on. Um, yes, exactly. Because the reality is in all towns across the country, you know, uh, whether it's somebody who's moved to Ireland for work or moved because they've married an Irish person or in a minority of cases moved because they're seeking international protection or whatever it is, you have much more diverse towns and communities. And and uh, it's really important for the cohesion in those towns, I think, that you uh, have initiatives like this. So they're very, it's very simple to recreate and we will help those interested in towns. So, you know, whether you're in Kinsale or Middleton or Mallow or Bantry or Clonakilty, you know, it's entirely possible to put this together. You don't need to be Pavarotti or an amazing <laughs> singer to get involved. Um, if you can carry a note, you're already on, uh, you're already in you're the in. Right, uh, you're in. right place. You're, you're in. in. <laughs> and, and I just thought, wouldn't the late Dr. Tom Cavanagh be so proud that this initiative uh, is, is going to grow out of uh, Formoy? Because it's, it's been funded, I believe, you're taking some seed funding from the Tomar Trust. Yeah, the Tomar Trust are the main funders for, for the One Town, One Voice initiative. And it was actually, you know, initially I went into... To, Dr. Tom Kavanagh one day and I said, listen, we're starting this running initiative and I just need to get a little bit of funding for running shoes for people who were in direct provision at the time. And he said, yeah, 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 that's fine. That's no bother. But listen, I want you to start thinking about something bigger and more all community as well, um, because it's vital for our communities in the future that you don't have parallel communities within a community. And uh, that's where it all kind of started. So, um, no, I mean, he got it. He could see around corners and he realised that it's so important uh, that, that our communities are respectful of everybody in those communities, but also that those communities provide a way for somebody to contribute to the community as well. Um, so, yeah, he, he would be... His, one, like his wonderful legacy uh, lives on. And then ultimately long-term, Graham, would, would the idea be that one day you'd see many of these new groups all come together? Oh, yes. So next uh, summer, we'd like to bring um, a number of our groups together in Fermoy for our first little mini get-together, but develop that into an annual festival, Patricia, where we have groups coming from around the country. Uh, they could have been working on a similar type, you know, a similar piece of work or something and performing together. Um, and as part of that, we, we're hoping to have an award for a particular group, that the Dr. Tom Kavanagh Award each year. You know, um, so I, I, I think, you know, developing a network of these one voice singers groups across the country would be absolutely wonderful and powerful. OK, and how, how can people find out more, Graham? Well, the website is one town, one voice, all the one words, dot IE, or they can email info at one town, one voice, dot IE. 
and we'll let you know what it all entails. Yeah, and listen, you keep in contact uh, with us. We'd love to hear, uh, and I'd love you to come back on and we list out loads of towns that are after getting involved with it. It's a brilliant initiative. Uh, Continue good luck uh, with it and also with your sanctuary uh, runner group, um, Graham. And as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thanks so much, Patricia. Thanks Take for care. joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Graeme Clifford uh, joining us from uh, from Oi. So please get involved if you would like your town to set up a One Town, One Voice initiative. One Town, One Voice dot IE, the uh, email. And I just spotted a text in from Sheila. This is tied in with our piece with Alice Taylor when we were talking about Nana's prayer book Uh, Sheila says I still use my great aunt's prayer book the date on it is 1929 it'll break your heart to see all of the lovely chants and prayers and spiritual values that are in that book that have been thrown away down through the years if we resurrected some of those old meditations we mightn't live in such a depressed world that's from Sheila that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock on to the Lamp Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.